It's rare that something has the potential to help both our bodies and the planet at the same time. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Oobly and sweet proteins. Did you know that protein has a sweet tooth? That's right. There are a handful of plants that grow near the equator that make fruit that produce sweet-tasting plant protein that's not sugar. These are called sweet proteins. Sweet proteins are amazing tricksters and taste absolutely delicious. But better yet, they're digested just like any other dietary protein. That means they have no impact on blood sugar or the gut microbiome. Oobly uses sweet proteins to make incredible plant-based, low-sugar, sweet iced teas that are craft-brewed with clean, fresh ingredients and zero artificial sweeteners. No stevia, no sugar alcohols. With only 7 grams of sugar in an entire 16-ounce can, and that includes the fruit, you can have your sweet and sip it too. Oobly's sweet teas come in three delicious flavors, lemon, peach, and mango yuzu. Get 20% off your first order with the promo code GENIUS at oobly.com. G-E-N-I-U-S. That's the promo code at oobly.com. O-O-B-L-I dot com. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% a real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, My guest today is Benson Agbortogo. He's an investor, an author, and a profit consultant. Uh, His company is called Business in God LLC, the business system that never fails. So we're going to talk about uh, Benson and his work and his past and all that. So welcome, Benson. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It's such a pleasure to talk with a genius like yourself. I don't know. I I try to find them. I'm not sure if I am. So they try to find good ones. Well, tell me a bit about how you got into the business that you're in. And I want to ask you, uh, you know, what's the premise of your business after that? But tell me a bit about your background. Awesome. I was born and raised in Cameroon, West Africa, which is uh, close to Nigeria. I got born again in March of 1990. And at that time, I really believed that if people came, if people came to Christ, uh, all their problems would be resolved. Uh, so I went door to door leading people to Christ. I eventually became a missionary pastor. So I pastored in Nigeria for about five years. And during that period, I was also overseeing other pastors. And each time I had meetings with these pastors, they were always complaining about money. They were saying, oh, we have this project in our church, but we don't have money. We have this project. And so in 2000, I was, I was praying one day and I just became so frustrated. I said, God, how can a rich God have poor kids? Ugh. Why are children always complaining about money? And I read in the Bible that the, the streets of heaven are paved of gold. I mean, how can a rich God have poor kids? And he said to me, Pence, you want to solve this problem? I said, yes. And he said, go back to school and study business. Wait, who, who said this to you? A friend or was this? No, this, this is the Holy Spirit saying to me, say, 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 you want to solve this problem? I say, yes. And he spoke in my heart. He said, go back to school and study business. Immediately, I said, get ye behind me, Satan. Because in, <laughs> in Africa, business is synonymous with corruption. 
I'm like, God, I'm a pastor. What business do I have with business or corruption? But because I knew how to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, I said, okay, I am going back to school and I'm going to study business because I want to solve this poverty problem. So I sent a, an, a, an email to a former member of one of the churches I pastored. He was uh, living in New York at the time. And I said, this is what God is laying in my heart. Is there a school in the U.S. that I can study with a biblical background, a worldview? He sent me two colleges. One was called Naya College and the other one, the King's College, both of them in New York. So I look at both of them. I say, you know what? I'm a king. I'm going to the King's College. So I applied. <laughs> applied. <laughs> I sent an application to the King's College. I was accepted and I came here 2003, September 2003, and I went to graduate school to study business management. And almost every semester, I was repenting when I discovered why, as I was studying business, why so many children of God are struggling with poverty. Okay. What did you discover? What problems did you get? Or what, did you... what I discovered is that most people who are struggling with poverty, even though they are Christians, praying and fasting do not understand the principles of the kingdom that govern wealth. There is a life of God and they are the principles of the kingdom. The life of the kingdom or the, or the life of God takes people to heaven so you can be born again, you can pray, you can fast, which is what I did and I taught people in the church, but I did not understand the principles of the kingdom that govern the growth of wealth. As a result, I prayed and fasted, taught other people to pray and fast, but because I was ignorant of these principles, I and the people I was pastoring were struggling, you know, with money. So when I went to business school, I began to study, especially the principle of management, which, which is what I call now the principle of growth, how to grow things, how to take something that is small, a seed, and turn it into a tree that produces fruits, and repeat the whole thing over and over, which is why I know you introduced me and you said that the business is called Business in God. Uh, it operates today as Consistent Profit Tree. Okay. I just wanted to show people that if you understand how a tree is planted and, and grows, you can literally take one seed and turn it into a forest. So what, what are some of the principles that you learned that are unique to your business? Did you just learn good, solid business principles? How do you marry it with also being a pastor and, and preaching the faith? I wish I could claim that they are unique to my business, but really they're in the Bible, so I didn't invent them. I'm just applying them, and I've developed ways to apply them consistently. Uh, the principal one which I will share with people is from Genesis 8.22. It says, so long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will never cease. So, so long as you plant seed, you are guaranteed a harvest. Every tree has a seed. A mango tree is planted using a mango seed. An apple tree is planted using a, uh, an apple seed. When it comes to growing wealth, I have discovered that a seed of wealth is value. So, so long as you are planting value, 
in the lives of people, the right kind of people, you are going to receive a harvest. Just like when you plant a seed in the right soil, that seed is guaranteed to grow and produce, irrespective of the economy, irrespective of your skin color, irrespective of your background. So long as you know how to plant value in this case, or a seed, it will grow. Hmm. So what does that mean, though, for people? Like, when would they despair? When would they want to give up? And how does your training help people? Like, where do they get stuck? And where and how and why does your training seem to help people? Most people give up because they lack perseverance. Or another word I'll use is consistency. You know, in Matthew, in Luke 18, Jesus was teaching about prayer. And he talked about his widow who kept going to the unjust judge persistently asking for the vengeance of her case. And eventually the unjust judge avenged her. And Jesus said, look at what the unjust judge did. How much more will God avenge his children who cry unto him day and night? Many people I see failing are not patient enough to plant the seed, cultivate it to grow to a point where it produces fruit. Hmm. Or they fold their hands expecting that God is going to do everything for them. We are responsible for planting the seed before God takes over. The soil doesn't plant the seed for us. The soil receives the seed and grows it and turns it into a tree that produces fruit. So we always have a part to play. And when we play our part, the natural, God is always committed to do the super. And together we experience supernatural results. We all know we should be eating less sugar, but we're constantly bombarded with drinks and snacks loaded with refined sugar or alternative sweeteners like stevia, or erythritol that recent studies have shown might not be as harmless as we thought. Enter Ubli, who just launched the world's first beverages to satisfy your sweet tooth with protein. Sweet proteins are nature's candy and give Ubli's brand new sweet iced teas sugar-like sweetness without the impact to your health. Get 20% off your Ubli order with the promo code GENIUS at Ubli.com and try all three delicious craft-brewed sweet iced teas, lemon, peach, and mango yuzu. That's oobly.com, O-O-B-L-I.com, and use the code GENIUS, G-E-N-I-U-S. So what is, does that mean that before you start a venture, you should pray for guidance, then take action, then pray as you go for guidance? Or like what, what is the wrong way to do it versus what is the right way to do it that you've seen? The wrong way I've seen many people do it is, Christians especially, is they go into this business without a plan that has been reconciled. And they just go into the business with some sort of plan and they're expecting God to bless the plan instead of seeking God to reconcile the plan so they can operate with a, with a reconciled plan. A reconciled plan is what I consider as, okay, if you write a plan to uh, launch a venture, you want to bake that plan in prayer and possibly fasting so that God can reconcile that plan. And what is reconciliation? Reconciliation is simply uh, taking out the parts of the plan that are not in alignment with the will of God and then adding the things that you missed when you were writing that plan. Just as you reconcile your bank statement with your books, 
making sure there's zero discrepancy. And once you have that zero discrepancy, you're going to have peace. And when you implement okay, that plan, that plan is going to succeed. So what, what a lot of people do, it sounds like, is they make a plan and they may pray about it and say, yeah, Holy Spirit, this is my plan. Does it sound good? Yes or no? Or maybe they don't even do that. Yeah. But you're saying make make the plan, check in with Holy Spirit and ask if there's anything out of alignment here and then proceed. And as you go, keep checking in. Absolutely. It's like uh, using a GPS. What The GPS gives you direction, but a GPS doesn't drive the car. And you are responsible in entering the destination into your GPS. And if you enter a destination that does not exist in the database or does not exist in the will of God, the GPS will not give you direction. But once you enter a destination that is in alignment with what is already in the will of God, the reconciliation, and then you drive and follow the directions the GPS is giving you, in this case, the Holy Spirit, there's no way you are not going to arrive at your destination. But if it directs you and you refuse to follow that direction and you take the wrong exit and when it's recalculating, you are so stubborn, you think you know better and you keep driving in the wrong direction, then that journey is going to take longer or you'll probably never be able to arrive at your destination because you refuse to get back when it's recalculating, when you miss an exit or when you miss a direction or you miss a turn. So people, again, they, they may pray once in the beginning or not at all. They go ahead, they do their business. And then I'm sure if things don't go according to the plan, then they do pray. They say, Lord, please help me you know, fix this or please help make this work. But does that still not work because they haven't consulted with Holy They're going? Is it always Holy Spirit saying, I'm not going to help you? Or like, why do you think this fails if it's not done the right way? Why would you only follow direction when you miss your exit? Why don't you just follow direction every step of the way when you are driving? So many people refuse to consult God, especially when things are going good, according to them, until they hit a roadblock. Then they now cry out, oh God, what is going on? Then in their desperation, seeking God, God reveals them to them what to do. And then immediately when things begin getting well, they go on a vacation again. And so they are going through this roller coaster and roller coaster and roller coaster instead of just being consistent in following the direction of the Holy Spirit every single day. I see what you mean. So, yeah, a lot of people are guilty of that, too. I, I am, you know, like when things are good, you, you don't think about God. And <laughs> then when things are bad, you're like, please help me. And that's not a very good relationship where you only come to him when, when things are in trouble. So I, I'm getting what you're saying. I, I guarantee you will not be married, uh, Richard, if you only went to your wife when things were, were bad. And then when things are good, you know, glad to her, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. So what kind of interesting stories do you have? Any that stick out at you from people that you've helped and they were totally shocked and, and happy about what happened or they experienced amazing guidance? Like what, you know, maybe either your story or someone that you've helped, anything interesting come to mind? I'll give you a quick story. It happened just uh, about two weeks ago. I was meeting with a leadership team of uh, one of the companies we uh, consult with, and they are in the foundation drilling business. So they had a heavy equipment in Oklahoma doing a foundation job. And when I appeared in the meeting with them, these meetings are typically on Mondays at two o'clock 
when I appeared, the CFO was just exasperated. He was just like, man, this piece of equipment is broken and it's expensive. It's going to delay the job. We need to get a mechanic and take him down there. It's four hours away. What are we going to do? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, man, it's 800,000. What are we going to do? And I said to him, I said, Bill, can you hold on for a moment? It looks like you are operating backwards. You are trying to do natural super instead of supernatural. So why don't you hold on? Let's pray and commit this matter in the hands of God because this machine and everything happening in Oklahoma did not take him by surprise. Okay. And he knows exactly what has to be done to resolve this problem. So let's do supernatural. So let's consult the Holy Spirit and then we'll talk about how to get mechanics and all of that to go do the natural path to take care of this equipment. He said, okay, and we prayed. And then we had our meeting. Normally, at the end of the meeting, we discuss the natural things that needed to be done to go out there with the mechanic. And lo and behold, they went out there with the mechanic the following day, and God guided that mechanic to just change a valve, and the machine was fixed. And it went oh, wow. back into full operation, and they are finishing that project, which is worth closer to $150,000. They are finishing that project this week. As a matter of fact, I was reviewing their financials today uh, to look at what they have accomplished for the week. And it was 121000 part of that coming from that project. So, so but Benson, uh, um, when, when you say this business system never fails, are there examples where people have prayed and just got nothing from Holy Spirit, no guidance, and then they continued and things didn't go well? Or do they always get guidance or does it take a lot of a lot of praying, a lot of time, and it doesn't come maybe at first? Like what have you experienced? Yeah, the, the business system that never fails is really coming from First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, which says love never fails. So the thesis of the business system that never fails is if you love God, you love yourself and you love your clients. If you operate your business on the fundamental principle of love, you will not fail because love never fails and God is love. Now, it doesn't mean that when you seek God, um, the answers are always going to happen immediately like the one I just shared with you. I will tell you this. I knew about the principle of the business system that never fails, but I had a lot of challenges especially in the beginning of the business myself. I'll give you a story that literally transformed my life. When the business started in 2009, I used to get up very early in the morning and I would dash out to go network. Uh, and then I'll come back late at night, really tired. Even though I, I won't dedicate any time to read the Bible because I was really tired. And one day I started reading my Bible in the night and I even fell asleep on it. And I woke up in the morning I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry I slept on your book. Forgive me. But I was so anxious to get clients that I went out again networking. And this went on for about a month, and I was feeling so dry. And one day I was about to step out of my house to go network, and I heard this small, still voice in my heart, the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, Benson, where are you going? I said, I'm going to network. He said, so you want to go network so you can get more clients or your business? I said, exactly. And then he asked me a question that changed my life forever, Richard. He said, Benson, how many people do you think I know? 
I said, no. I'm laughing because I'm I'm laughing because I'm picturing a giant Rolodex. I'm telling you, I said, God, you know over 7 billion people. He said, exactly. And I can introduce any of them to you without you, without you putting your business credentials on the table. Wow. And I'm like, duh, look at me neglecting, spending time in the Bible with God who has the largest network, and I'm going out there trying to network, claiming not to have time to spend with the largest, the person with the largest network. How stupid could I be? That's funny. It's, it's kind of funny when the Holy Spirit like gives you a noogie or like slaps you in the face or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's funny. It just, it just makes me laugh for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, so I repented. I repented. I said, God, I'm so sorry. This is really stupid. So it really got me into seeking the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis, being in his word on a consistent basis. And there are times when a problem will arrive, like the one I just shared with you, the answer will be immediately. But there are certain situations when I don't receive the answer immediately, which takes my prayer from just praying to fasting. I know that's like a curse word in America, fasting. (laughs) Maybe you should just call it intermittent fasting, then people would be excited about it. Yeah. American Christians don't like fasting. It's like you're going to kill them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, is that fear? So, um, well, one, one thing comes to mind is that entrepreneurs, especially, are very strong willed. And I think a lot of them feel like they have to do everything themselves and figure it out themselves. So I would th- think for those kind of people, it would be especially hard to consult with Holy Spirit on a regular basis because maybe they would feel bad, like they have to to make the first effort and then call for help when needed. But if they don't make the first effort, then maybe God will say to them, hey, you need to at least do your part and then I'll do mine. But I, I, it's probably a mistaken belief, but, and that's probably what I believe. <laughs> Again, so how would you address that? Because I, I think that's how I feel and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of entrepreneurs feel like that. Yeah, most of them feel like that too because they feel like God lives in their church and he doesn't know business. But the first introduction of God in Genesis is in the beginning he created. Entrepreneurs create. So the Holy Spirit knows more business than all the Harvard, Yale, MIT professors put together. So why would you neglect spending time with your mentor in the morning who wants to give you advice to direct you for your day and you just go start the day until you get problems then you come and turn around to your mentor? It's like it's like leaving the house without putting your destination in the GPS for direction and you keep driving, then when you feel like you are missing, then you start seeking direction. I mean you, you might have even wasted the whole day driving around. <laughs> yes, you are still going to do the driving as an entrepreneur, but why would you drive without direction instead of driving with direction? So whatever you found is the best way to do it. Is it, you know, once a morning or is it multiple times a day? Like what what do you advise uh, the people you work with to do? I advise them to have a regular time during the course in the morning, especially to submit their plans for the day and give up their rights to their calendar. To say, Holy Spirit, here is my calendar for the day. You know, of course, after reading the Bible to feed themselves because reading the Bible energizes. 
and you don't want to go out there trying to walk without energy. So reading the Bible energizes. Then you submit, you surrender your plan for the day. And say, Holy Spirit, I submit my calendar for today into your hands. You have the full editing rights. As I go along my day, guide me accordingly. And for me, when I submit my calendar in the morning to the Holy Spirit, there are only two things responsible that will cause me to change what is on my calendar. Divine direction or demonic distraction. So if anything comes up that is different from what is already in my calendar, I just pause and I ask the Holy Spirit, is this divine direction or demonic distraction? If it is divine direction, I'll go in that way because I know that's my Samaritan moment. The good Samaritan did not have the robber who was beaten in his calendar that day. That is a story God uses to describe what it means to love your neighbor. So if I don't have something in my calendar and it comes up during the course of the day and I have peace, I will switch and do that thing. But if I realize that something shows up that is not already in my calendar and I don't have peace about it, I know it's demonic destruction. I fight it and resist it. So James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Many entrepreneurs battle distractions throughout the course of the day, and they end up succumbing to those distractions because they, they fail to follow the first step. They are trying to resist without having submitted. Well, how do, how do you know when you have a thought in your mind, if it's your thought or if it's God's thought, or does it, does it not even matter? What, you know, do anything, you ask me that question? Anything that does not kill, steal, or destroy is good. And God is good. So if you have a thought that is not going to kill anybody, that is not going to steal from somebody, and that is not going to destroy from anybody, that is a good thought. And that thought is good. John 10.10, 10, the enemy cometh but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I've come that you should have life and have it in abundance. So anything that does not kill, steal, or destroy is good. Yeah, but wouldn't, um, wouldn't the enemy be, be very subtle with some people and give them an idea or two that overtly wouldn't look like that, but it turns out that it does have that bad effect? Like, how do you, if you have a thought that you're not sure if it's good or bad, what do you do? That is a time for you to go seek, to seek God in prayer to make sure that you only proceed with that thought when you have peace. Peace. The enemy cannot give peace. That's why Jesus said, my peace, I live with you. The enemy can never give us peace. So when you're doing something, you have an idea and you're trying to execute it, a good idea, and you're trying to execute it. If you feel uncomfortable, there's like a red flag in your spirit. That's a point for you to stop and mm. seek God until you have peace before you proceed. So it's like when you're driving, and you get to an intersection where there's a red light, that's why they call it a red flag, then you stop until the light turns green before you proceed. If you drive when the, right, the light is red, you're going to have an accident or you're going to get a ticket. Yes. So when you have a red flag in your spirit, even if something looks good, you stop and seek God until you have peace. Peace is green light. Until that light turns green, don't drive. It makes sense. That's a very good analogy. Yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. So, what kind of pushback do you get 
from people when you first start coaching them? Or what kind of difficulties do they have that you need to help them overcome? Inconsistency. Inconsistency is one of the pushbacks. And that inconsistency typically comes from their reluctance to operate their business based on a proven system that we create. And that system is typically dictated by the results they want to achieve. Most of them think that the time invested in creating a system is wasted time. They just want to go do it without a system. And when you do it without a system, you don't have leverage. You can only lift so many rocks with your own raw strength. But if you invest the time to create a system which is a lever, you can lift rocks effortlessly and build any pyramid you want to build. So many of them are usually reluctant to invest the time to create the business system, the practical business system that never fails in their businesses. And so typically I will show them the advantage of investing time to create that system before it is implemented versus implementing with a chaotic system. I usually say, do you want to scale chaos or do you want to scale order? The choice is yours. If you scale chaos, you are going to be in agony. If you scale order, you're going to have an organization and you're going to enjoy it. And the ones who are reluctant in investing the time to create a system, then I just know that they are not a good fit. So I don't waste my time with them. So you work with, let's say, an entrepreneur, but what about all the people in their business? If the entrepreneur starts doing this and, you know, asking Holy, Holy Spirit for feedback and help, what if the entrepreneur then goes to the people that work for them and talks about this and they rebel or they don't want to, or, you know, they push back or they say that that's foolish. Don't do that. You know, what do you do then? I typically start with the entrepreneur. Then I move to their leadership team so that all of them are on the same page. And if the people who are not in leadership rebel against the direction the leaders are giving, you fire them. They are not a part of, uh, the, I mean, if you have, if you have somebody, that's why when you go to the airport, the pilot usually uh, announces, oh, this plane is going to New York. If you happen not to be going to New York, you have to onboard. Otherwise, you end up in the wrong destination. So the Bible says a house divided cannot stand. So you don't want to tolerate division in your business. Division is dangerous. Every good leader wants to lead with a vision, not with a division. So any team member who is not collaborating with a vision that the leader has is not fit to be a part of that team. And so I encourage them to fire the person. And then when they want to onboard a new person, they should look at character traits and capacity traits that that person has to fulfill or to produce a result of that position before they hire the person. So you don't hire people, you don't hire rebels. Who wants to work with rebels? Well, what happens if you have people in your business that say, okay, I understand, you know, that's not me, but I'm with you on your vision. You you do that, that's fine, I support you, but you know, I don't feel like I can do that. What, what do you do with those people that are maybe supportive, but still kind of on the fence? Maybe if you give me an example, I will, I'll be able to answer the question better, but in my understanding, if any employee is uh, fulfilling any role in any business, they are expected to produce results, results based on what the leader has cast as a vision. So if they are not producing those results, then they shouldn't be on the team. 
And if you give them a recommendation on how they should produce the results and they are rebelling against it, I don't see how that person should be a part of the team. Maybe if you give a specific example, I might answer the question in a different way. Well, let's say, I don't know, I'm a Muslim and, you know, Bob is my boss in the business. And he says to me, you know, you need to pray to Holy Spirit and ask for guidance. And I tell him, you know, I understand getting guidance from, you know, from God, but I'm Muslim, you're Christian. I don't, you know, I'm not going to get in your way or anything, but I can't, I can't do that because again, I don't believe like you do, for instance. What would you do in a situation like that? They're not hostile, but they also say like, you know, you go ahead and do that. That's fine. I support you, whatever you want to do, because you're my boss, but I, I'm not going to be doing the praying myself because again, for me, it's different. Like, what would you do there? Uh, in that situation, I wouldn't even, uh, if I know that that person is a Muslim, I wouldn't even try to go tell them pray because it's a waste of time. I will let the results of my life influence them. I want to be as gentle as dove and wise as a serpent. I want to be yeast. I want my light to shine in such a way that our Muslim will come one day and say, oh, boss, your leadership is impeccable. Wow. What are you doing to get all this wisdom to lead us this way? Uh-huh. Now we can talk about the source of my wisdom. But I won't force that Muslim to pray uh, so long as they are producing the results they were hired to produce. Now, if they are not producing results, then they have a capacity issue. Then now I have good grants to let them go, but I will not force a Muslim to pray the way I pray. It's, I mean, it's not wise. The Bible doesn't encourage us to do that. Right. Okay. And, and last question here. What, what happens when the entrepreneur consults with Holy Spirit a lot, but then they go further and they get, you know, X number of people in their organization to also do the same thing? Do the results magnify and grow, grow bigger or what happens? I am telling you that... That whole team will be on a roll. It's like saying you are a father of your house. You are consulting with the Holy Spirit. Your wife gets on board to consult with the Holy Spirit. Your children get on board. Just imagine how that home is going to look like. Mm. It's the same thing that's going to happen in a business. Okay, that makes sense. Well, very good, Benson. I know you, you have to go in a moment. For listeners, where can they go to learn your system and, and interact with you? What, what's the resource for them? A very simple place they can go to get the business system that never fails, the electronic version of it. It will be uh, consistentprofittree.com uh, forward slash ebook. Consistentprofittree.com forward slash ebook. They, they can go there and get the electronic version PDF of the business system that never fails for so free. And they can read it, you know, implement it in their business and see some uh, amazing results begin to happen. Okay. Well, very good, Benson. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Richard. It's really been a delight for you to have me as a guest. God bless. Remember, if you're looking for groundbreaking low-sugar products, head over to oobly.com and try the world's first iced teas made with sweet proteins, the future of sweet, because we all deserve to feel good about healthy sweetness. Use the promo code GENIUS at oobly.com and get 20% off their lemon, peach, or mango yuzu sweet iced teas. Oobly is sweet without sacrifice. Website is oobli.com. Promo code GENIUS, G-E-N-I-U-S. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.